have the Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roller with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? They look great in person, and I uh, just can't wait to next year where we, we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey, Bob, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guy today. It was being ranked. I mean, how do you lose? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. Welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, powered by Fantasy Points Media Group. This is episode 89, and as always, I am joined with my co-hosts, Calvin Shoemake, Major Caldwell, Tara Roberts, and today we are going behind the grind with an NFL analyst that you want to make sure you get in on this show today. He is a host of Series XM Radio, and perhaps not only will we learn the secret of fantasy football, but maybe we'll learn the secret to life. Jim, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, man, you guys did your research. Doing really well. <laughs> Excited to be here. I always love the intro on your guys' show. I feel like I'm entering a fight here, and it kind of feels yeah. like fun. Nice. And that's kind of what we're going for, because we don't know where the show's going to go at any time. Uh, Calvin said 100 times, he's the one who talked me into going to a show sheet. Now he goes mm-hmm. off the show sheet more than anybody. <laughs> so, you know, we don't know where the show's going, but wherever it takes us, we're happy to go with. So... Uh, as always, Calvin, kind of break down what's going, what, what's been going on today. Have you seen anything happening? Well, just to follow up on that, you do have to have a show sheet to go off the show sheet. So proud of you. Appreciate you doing that for me to be able to go off show sheet. And, uh, what ha- what's happening today is I pulled up fantasy pros to look up something because I was arguing with people about TJ Hawkinson and there's Tara on my screen talking <laughs> with her video, like on popping up on the sideline. So congrats, Tara. Make sure you're checking out Thank what you. she's doing. <laughs> and, uh, major, you got a new show launching here too, right? Uh, yeah, it's coming soon, man. I just got to figure this thing out. You know, I'm having I'm a perfectionist perfectionist and it's having a hard time just trying to figure it out. But hey, it's coming and it's going to be great. And then, well, Jim, I know we, we got some football talk that we I mean, we got some running backs visiting uh, Baltimore. What do you think about those veterans visiting there? Do you think any of that affects our boy Gus Edwards or what? You know, this is interesting. I talked about this on a serious show on Sunday. So I'm going to do a little circular logic here. So please hang with me. If you're drinking right now, this might be a tough one. So we got to look at it this way. So J.K. Dobbins was an exceptionally talented back. Gus Edwards is a really good back. In the last five weeks, including playoffs last year, they each averaged 11 carries. So the same workload. Now, Dobbins is out. Edwards moves to the top. Tyson Williams is a banger. He's a big dude, a 220. He can run. Now, the drop-off from Dobbins to Edwards, to me, is similar from the drop-off from Edwards to Tyson Williams. If we use that circular logic and the fact that Coach Harbaugh was willing to spell a great running back, I think we have the same situation this year where both of them could see about that same amount of work with Lamar getting his carries as well. So I am a little concerned that if Gus is getting drafted really high, it's under the assumption that he's going to get a 70% carry share. But I don't know that's the way that's the way Coach Harbaugh does it. Hmm. So I'm going to take this one step further because I love myself some Gus Edwards. Three years straight, 700 yards. Three years straight, five yards per carry. Tyson Williams there comes in. You talk about him being kind of a banger there. Who's going to catch the ball out of the backfield? Let's face it. If Lamar Jackson throws the ball to a running back, you need a receiving back. But if you don't throw to running backs, you really don't need one, right? Lamar's just going to run the ball anyway. They've had Justice Hill for three years now, well, until today at least. Mm. And look, he he wasn't involved. um, Dobbins could catch. But he rarely saw targets. It's the nature of some of the running quarterbacks. When the play breaks down, they're looking to run. And Baltimore does not design screens. Maybe that's a maybe that's a Lamar thing. Maybe some quarterbacks are not good screen pass throwers because the art of leading that running back, it's a different type of throw. And if Jackson was never mm-hmm. one to do those, they may not have wanted to put him in a spot that he's not comfortable with. So of those uh, running backs that came in to work out for a spot, do you see any of them? Uh, where do you see? Do you see one of them in particular standing out? And if that person maybe joins in, where do you where would you put them in the pecking order? 
at this point, depth. You're, they're just looking for depth. If somebody else goes down, they need somebody. It's possible they're just doing due diligence to see who they may need to sign down the road. My guess is there's no benefit of bringing any of them in. Now, I didn't hear Adrian Peterson's name come up, <laughs> but he would be a player who could fit in. He still functioned at a solid level last year. And in that offense, you just need to get downhill. And Peterson can do that. So of the backs that were brought in, mostly washed. But Peterson would be, if they want really wanted somebody, a player they could add. I think that's the thing about football that, you know, I wish if I could change one thing, it's this. Like baseball, basketball, a guy of Adrian Peterson's caliber is set to retire. They get a farewell tour. You know, they have a fit last year where everybody is just talking about how great they are and they're retiring and all that. You don't get that in football. we got Adrian Peterson and Frank Gore that are street free agents right now who've had great careers, who I'd love to see somebody like the Houston Texans just say, you know what, here we go. It's the last year. we got nothing else to play for. Let's fill our stadium with people who want to root for Frank Gore or Adrian Peterson or whoever and hand them the ball 25 times to see what happens. You know, just something like that. But, like, you know, why – why do you think that is in football? We don't get those those last hurrahs with those with those Hall of Famers. Because I think these players are going to be forced off the field. I don't think they ever want to commit to saying, this is my last year. Mm -hmm. They are going to wait until the league tells them you're done. And by not re-signing Adrian Peterson to this point, the league has told him he's done. But to me, that's a little bit silly based on what he did last year and the fact he didn't command much money in the prior years. So he would be affordable. He would be useful. And my guess is at some point he gets brought in because certainly Peterson has not talked about wanting to hang it up. But I think that's it. They have to be pushed off the field. And that's why we don't get the farewell tours. And you know what? Calvin kind of mentioned his name. Frank Gore is still out there. He's a guy who can still go in there and he can still bang a little bit. He was still, he had some productivity there with the Jets a little bit towards the end. But, you know, Julie, she's truly uh, coming in here, uh, kind of asking us about Gus's hands. And if third and eight comes, who's going to be on the field? I think third and eight, it's going to be a QB draw. Let's be honest how this is going <laughs> to shape out. But, you know what? I, I think Gus Edwards is going to get. He, I think he probably gets a little bit more disrespected in the passing game because we haven't seen it. I think he's as high as 19 receptions in one season or 19 targets. I can't remember. Don't fact check me. We don't fact check on the show. <laughs> but you look at it, maybe it's kind of like a Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's strength is not pass catching, but he can do it if he needs to. And I think that's the same with Gus Edwards. His strength isn't pass catching, but if you need him to catch a ball out of the backfield, he could probably give you a few uh, attempts there per game. And you're starting him this week against the Raiders. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I can't even argue that. You know what? Even start, start Sammy Watkins for the one week a year, you get a chance to. So here's your one week you get a throw there you in go. there. Um, moving along here, ADP, huge. There's a. Is there more parity amongst the wide receiver group this year than any other year ever? Uh, I know you've done a lot of uh, ADP kind of battles. The first one I want to take a look at is A.J. Brown versus C.D. Lamb versus Terry McLaren. Who do you got in this? I know who I got, who my favorite is for the season, but who do you got? You know, one thing I always point out, if you're going for the upside play, if you're going for the floor play, I think the safest combo of floor and ceiling here is really Terry McLaurin. We've seen in two seasons with no quarterback play to speak of. He has shown that he's a superstar. He just needs a little help. And he, we bring in Fitzpatrick, and I know people bash Fitz. Understand this, in his first 10 years in the league, he never topped 63% passing. In two of the last three years, he has a 66-7 and a 68. And the high interception games, those started to fade off. It was only when they were trailing big and he had to go YOLO. Well, they're not going to trail a lot with Washington's defense. But McLaurin, back to the point, Fitz Peppers always peppers his alpha with targets. And McLaurin is going to be led into space with that sub 4-4 speed, his ability to shed coverage. And so I think he's a beautiful play there. But of those three, it's really hard for me to pass on A.J. Brown because I believe he's a transcendent talent. I believe that we have not seen a player like him. After his first year, I called him T.O. version 2.0. Mm. But honestly, he played on two busted-up knees last year. They both needed surgery. He only had like 106 targets, I believe, and he was like near 1,100 yards. If he gets near 140 targets, good Lord what we're going to see from that man. McLaurin is the safest, but Brown could have some crazy upside with that bad defense and if they have to throw a lot. 
And I think you can make the argument that C.D. Lamb might be the play based on Dak Prescott and what he was able to do if Dak's shoulder is what we're hoping it to be. You know, I've kind of been pumping the brakes a little bit on Dak. This offense in Dallas, it's going to get going, but it may take two or three weeks before we see exactly where it's going. So if, you, if you're in those leagues and you got those panicky kind of owners, you know, this Dallas offense is one to target after week two where it's kind of maybe struggling. It's not quite there. Dak's not quite feeling 100%. There's a few of these quarterbacks out there that are very similar to uh, Dak Prescott when it comes to situation that you can definitely target a little bit later. So the next one I want to talk about, this one's very intri uh, intriguing to me because I, I think all these receivers are fantastic. You've got Amari Cooper, who, you know, he's competing with C.D. Lamb there. you got Robert Woods, who's probably the most disrespected wide receiver in the game, year in and year out. He's only basically done three 1,000-yard seasons in a row. Last year he fell a little bit short, but Jared Goff was Jared Goff. He's going to mm -hmm. do Goff things. And then you've got Cooper Cup in here as well, who's a teammate of Robert Woods. But here's the other one you got thrown in here, Jacoby Myers. This one's a really <laughs> interesting one because you've got him. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing hard. That's very funny. I love that. <laughs> uh, i got to get Jacoby in here every once in a while. I know Julie's talking about me being a Gus truther. Um, it's true, I am. I've got my guys. Darnell Mooney's one. Jacoby Myers is one here. So I just had to throw him in there. But going back to Amari versus Bobby Trees versus Cooper Cup, how do you see that kind of shape, you know? So if you're in a PPR league, Cooper Cup intrigues me a ton. I believe he has top five PPR upside. And here's why. In the last two seasons, even when they had to compress their offense because McVay didn't trust Jared Goff, one of the seasons was a half season. Cup missed eight games. The other game played a full year. He was basically averaging 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns. And it's two years running again with the one half year of injury. But – the beauty for this is in that McVay offense, he has always schemed the slot player open with a lot of green in front of him. And with Matthew Stafford being able to put a ball on target with significant steam on the throw, he could lead Cup into well more yardage than Jared Goff was ever able to. So Cooper Cup is a great play there. Robert Woods, you know, he's an excellent player. And I even liked him in Buffalo when he was actually playing with I can't think of it. It was like a their the guy they picked at 15 at quarterback. He only played a few games and I can't remember his name, but he, whenever that guy was in, he had good games, but then they had other quarterbacks playing. But anyway, Woods, he's their Z. And we saw his yards per target go way down as that offense compressed. He was the one that got hit the most by it. But I think at the end of the day, Matthew Stafford does a couple of things outstandingly well. One is the deep ball and one are kind of those quick strikes over the middle. Robert Woods doesn't perfectly match up with the best of Matt Stafford. Woods is going to have a good season because he is going to command those outside targets. But I think that, the again, it's not the best stylistic fit. Woods will have a good season, but Cup, I think, is in for better. Cooper's tough because before Dak went down last year, he was averaging 100 yards, nine catches a game. And we can extrapolate that, I think, because in that offense – Defenses can't settle on any one of those receivers. Mm -mm. The line should be okay. You know, got the, the COVID, you know, uh, for Zach Martin out with COVID, but it mm -hmm. looks like they've got Lyle Collins back. He's supposed to play. That line is fine. Dak has time. So Cooper, I think, has the upside. I'm sorry. Cooper Cup has the upside. Amari Cooper has both. He has the best floor. And I think he has great upside. So if you want like that flexible pick, it's Cooper. If you're just shooting for crazy upside, it's Cooper Cup. I love that because any I, I want a piece of the Rams this year because I think Sean McVay is like I've enjoyed watching the McVay Goff back and forth, like the little subtweeting of each other this fast offseason. And I just think McVay wants to prove like how how much of a hindrance Goff was. And he is going to be trying to set records with Stafford this year. Yeah, I really don't think. Sorry, I was gonna say I don't think it's out of the uh, possibility that Matt Stafford finishes at QB one this year in the top twelve. When we're talking, not not, not the top quarterback, but mm -hmm. I think he's definitely well within his reason to finish in the top twelve. And what we're not talking about enough, I think, when we're talking about these this Rams offense, you're talking about Cooper Cup making some hay underneath, especially in PPR. You're talking about Robert Woods doing some jet sweep action and everything that he can do. You've got Van Jefferson. You still got Deshaun Jackson stretching that field 
opening up everything in those intermediate routes, which is going to absolutely present all kinds of nightmares for opposing defenses to try and scheme against. You know, you're right. And another beneficiary is Daryl Henderson. Now, I know he's splitting some with Sony Michelle, but last year, Daryl Henderson significantly increased his rookie year yards per carry despite facing very stacked boxes because the Rams, again, had to run two tight end sets and compress the offense down. But with Stafford, and as you're mentioning, Matt, the speed options, everything else they have, now Henderson sees light boxes. He gets to the second level much mm. easier. He had a string of really good games before Cam Akers took over. So the running back production can be good. We just worry how much they'll split the work. That's the question. And speaking of work, I, I would go into these camp battles. We're kind of pushing up on our regular football talk. And I, I've been all kinds of uh, – Hot topic, kind of pressing the buttons a little bit today. So I want to I want to hear from you. What's your hot take for 2021? Nico Collins is a wide receiver too. Woo. That's my hot take. Here's oh, why. Boy, do, I'm, I'm like listening. It. I'm listening here. Right, yeah, here's the why. Here. All right. First of all, when we look at this year's rookie receiver class, we see a bunch of little guys, guys who are probably slot guys who are going to try to push some to the outside. First of all, Nico Collins is one of the few receivers who comes out with actual outside alpha size, but he played at Michigan. Mm -hmm. They don't throw the ball much at Michigan, right? So Nico Collins kind of gets buried because his numbers aren't there. The Texans hardly had any draft picks, yet they gave up one of those draft picks to trade up to get Collins. Now, here's the other thing. The Houston, Texas, we all know it's going to be a train wreck there. They're going to trail most weeks by double digits in the second quarter. They may be facing subs on defense by the middle of the third quarter. Now, given those scenarios, they're going to throw 40 times most weeks. If Collins is a starter out there and Brandon Cooks is the alpha, Tyrod Taylor may not be a very good quarterback, but he's a professional quarterback. And if they're going to throw that often, Nico Collins is going to be out there. And I don't want to hear to Chris Conley, so seriously, <laughs> not even a problem. But Nico Collins is a chance, based on volume, to make a massive dent. And if he's anywhere near as good as I think he is, he could really come up with an excellent season. And we could really be blown away. And you're getting him 16th round, 17th round, or undrafted. This time next week, we're going to be talking about the one and no Texans who are facing the Jaguars <laughs> in week one, which is like the worst Whoa. game possible, right? Like, how do we get that matchup in week one? <laughs> Good thing it's not a standalone game. <laughs> right. But yet, it's got fantasy implications. You know what I mean? Mm. We're going to see what this Jaguars uh, wide receiver core is going to look like. We're going to see James Robinson do James Robinson type things. You know, it's going to be, is Trevor Lawrence real or not? We don't know. In the, as far as college, you can't argue with his uh, resume that he put forth in college, but now he's coming to the Jaguars. And we've seen what's happened to good quarterbacks, uh, David Carr, where they've been put in bad situations. I don't think Lawrence is in a bad situation. I think that offensive line there in Jacksonville is better than most people give it credit for. I think it's in the middle of the pack. Obviously, they were good enough to get an undrafted free agent rookie 1,000 yards last year. So there's all that going on. There. Now it's Monday. Some people call it Labor Day. Some people call it Jacoby Myers Day. Some people call it Motivation Monday. Jim, I'm going to send it over to you. Give us some motivation on Monday here for us. You know, the motivational piece I've been doing over the last month is a four-part thing. The first we talked about the importance of the balance of mind, body, and spirit. And then I took the three weeks subsequently, and I did one week on mind, one on body, and one on spirit. And But I think at the end of the day, we sometimes don't, let our lives run smoothly at all three levels. So if we're not feeding our mind, challenging our mind, if we're not exercising and or eating healthy, and then finally, whatever spirituality means to people. For some people, it's just being connected with, you know, as we say, spirit creatures of the rest of the world. Some people, it's religion. Whatever that is for a person, it's quieting your mind and sometimes meditation, sometimes prayer, whatever you do. But those three elements... If we notice in our lives, when one of those is out of whack, we never are running our lives in an optimal manner. So it's a matter of looking for ways to commit, to be disciplined, to get better in all three areas. That is I, fantastic. So I absolutely love that. And I'm, I'm like the worst at that. Even like when I would play that Sims game like 20 years ago, like I would have trouble doing all those things at the same time. Like I was so stressed out about it. I never could balance it out well. And doing it in real life as an adult is hard too. <laughs> so 
Julie wants to know, can you quiet your mind a little bit and kind of give her some insight right here? Nico Collins versus Marquez Callaway. Who has the better hands and the better skill set, regardless of the team? You know, look, Marquez Callaway, was he a seventh-round pick or undrafted? One of the two, right? Undrafted. 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 Nico Collins, third-round guy. Usually when we look at that, and sometimes the coaches are wrong, the GMs are wrong, Nico Collins is a well-regarded player. And had he been in a better college program, I think he would have had astronomical numbers. Overall, I think it's absolutely Nico Collins, and I think he can be a star in the league. Now, Marquez Callaway, I saw him the limited time last year, and before he blew up, I was getting plenty of shares of him because I noticed he can run some of those X routes, a contested catch guy. He can get open quick in the route, and that's exactly what his body type allowed him to do, and it would fit in for a Michael Thomas replacement. But then once he scored those two touchdowns on Monday night and his ADP went through the ceiling, everybody went crazy. There are limitations to Callaway's game, but he could definitely be a productive player and depending on how the situation shakes out in New Orleans, it could be for a longer time. But I think Nico Collins could be a star, and I think therein lies the difference. I think I speak for everybody when I say we could ask you questions about football forever, but we are now at 21 minutes, and uh, we, it's time to go into the rabbit hole and actually get to ask you some questions about you, Jim. So Nobody wants turns. to know about that. Yeah, everybody <laughs> wants to know about Jim. So we're going to take turns. You're going to hear from Major and Tara and, and Matt and me on some of these questions. We like to start with one that kind of gets us helps us get to know you a little bit from your music preferences. So we like to ask, if you had an intro song, whether it's, you know, a football game, whether it's like, you know, you're a baseball closer or a wrestler, well, that intro music to get you, it, get the crowd hyped up for you, what would that be? Well, it's got to be Aerosmith. Anything mm. Aerosmith, really. That, I, that music just always gets me going. I don't know that there's Mama Ken, maybe. That one might work. But there are so many Aerosmith songs. I would totally be amped walking in Aerosmith. Love that. Love that. I think that's our first Aerosmith answer. That's I think so. Awesome. Probably your last too, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, y'all know sports is very important for all of us growing up. Uh, talk to us about uh, what sports you played as a kid. Um, who are your favorite players, your favorite teams, all that stuff. Now, remember, I'm old. So you see, that's why you're getting answers like Aerosmith from me. Some of my favorite <laughs> baseball players growing up, Dave Parker. He was of the Cincinnati Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates later. Jim Rice, Boston Reds. Like these are from the 70s because I was born in the mid-60s. And I was a baseball player. I played through college and loved baseball. Total passion. But I love basketball. I'm only 5'8", but I am very good at screening. And I can knock people flat That's why I screen them. And, it's a, and I still, I'm 56 years old, and I'm nearing the end, but I still – can, can screen well, and the scorers love me because I hunt. I hunt out defenders. They don't see me coming. I set the screen. My teammates will run them in me full speed and will take the air out of them. And we'll hear in the pregame, we'll hear the other side. They're, they're talking about some 56-year-old dude, not because he can shoot, but watch your back. Keep your head on a swivel. Tell me when the screen's coming. <laughs> so, yeah, baseball, basketball, all day long. You'd have been a good uh, hockey player, Jim. Jim. Oh, man. Before you, yes. uh, the, the rock or like you know what I mean stump or like we need a nickname for you man those <laughs> I'm getting a very Mike Tolbert esque type feel from you mm -hmm. a little solid Mike bowling Tolbert. ball kind of yeah. Lorenzo Neal I gotta go right that Lorenzo same same wave yeah. right there but low mm -hmm. Neal that was the man nice love it <laughs> so let's uh let's go um more into you personally and kind of talk about uh let's go with a, a deep question of uh tell us Tell us about a decision that changed the trajectory of your life. You know, that's that's always a great question. A decision that changed the trajectory of your life. Well, I wrote a book. Not a big deal. Anybody can write a book. Big deal. It's called The Secret of Life. But in my life path, it seems like I've always tried my best to, in, to get in tune with the wisdom of the world. And what I really found out is I think as humans – we're largely selfish creatures. I think we really struggle to put people first. And I think sometimes when we think we're putting them first, we do it in a way that we think is meaningful, but it really is something that we like to do. In essence, our selflessness is selfishness. And so I think finding a way to serve people 
by putting them first in a way that is important to them. I think that is when we start to figure out some secrets of life. I like it. Nice. And that's um, not only that's not your only book you you you've published two books there as well. So, well, let's give you a little bit of credit there so far. And there's probably a third book coming on. You got all kinds of secrets to uh, <laughs> of So I just want to make sure that you know you get those all on Amazon. I, I can see that on Amazon. You can go per- pick up the Secret of Life on there, not the Monty Python version. Oh my gosh, the version. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, this that's it. My- go right ahead. No, I was just going to say, this is great. It's got very unique answers. Uh, kind of takes me to the next question of uh, telling us about your about your journey um, through fantasy football. Um, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen um, now versus, versus when you started? So I like the fact that so many more people are involved. It's become a thriving community. We have so many people with passion and the platforms are there. And I think viewers and content consumers, I think they realize that you could find something that works for you. There is no such thing as, oh, this person is the GOAT, the best analyst there is. It all depends what the consumer wants. You could literally pick your own dream team of analysts. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And one person's dream team might be another one's nightmare team. But there's so many places to go, you know. And and I think that the wisest fantasy managers, they find a large pool of people that they challenge their thinking. Sometimes you want the confirmation bias, but you want some people that are going to make you think about an aspect or an angle that you hadn't thought of. So that's how the fantasy world has changed. It's not just subscribing to a website. Now there are so many ways to consume content. I love how you mentioned that because I do a lot of scouting, a lot of college stuff. I've done some magazines and stuff. I, I purposely wait. I do all my writing up. I do my grading and stuff like that ahead of time. And then I'll go back and I'll look at people, put their stuff out there. And I'm looking for someone who's disagreeing with me, who has a completely different take than I do, because that allows me to question my process a little bit. I, I believe in my process. I'm a firm believer in my process, a la Jacoby Myers. But at the same point, I want to see, okay, why am I higher on this guy and you're lower? Am I missing something? Or what are you missing to have him so low that I got him so high? Where is that coming? You could... I don't think there's a single person who's always going to be right. I don't even think you could be the worst analyst in the world. And I don't think you're going to be wrong every single time, you know? So it's finding that common ground. I love that. Finding some people to challenge you. We have that in this room where we challenge each other all the time, which is the fantastic part here in the Viper cast is just no one has, we have a lot of similar opinions, but we have a lot of differing opinions that challenge one another as we go through the process. Now, Tara kind of mentioned how things have changed from day one to now. We're going back to 1994, and you know what? You you started this whole fantasy journey on a high back in 1996. Nationally acclaimed accolades here. Tell us about that 1996 season. So there weren't as many national challenges as there are now, obviously. Now it's a massive deal, people going to <laughs> Vegas. But there weren't many, and I found one. It was literally... 1495 to join. It was actually through like the baseball football digest company. Hmm. Uh, no, actually, it was, no, back that up. It was, um, it was APA game company. That's what it was. And I don't even think they're around for football anymore. They might be around for baseball. But anyway, that was their challenge. And the grand prize was $5,000. And basically, they didn't charge for the roster changes. You picked players within like 12 different groups. They Four, six players in each group picked a player. You had an X set amount of roster changes to make in a season. And it was amazing. I, I almost led pole to pole in that one. There was like a little point, like maybe week eight or week nine, where I dipped down a little bit, but it was just a beautiful thing. And to actually see when it was over that, oh, wow, I you know, actually finished this out. And, you know, it's an incredible amount of luck. Sure, sure there's some skill, but at the end of the day, injuries, bad games mm-hmm. and you don't expect them and all that. So I am always keenly aware of the amount of luck. I always say if you're a good fantasy player, at least you can make the playoffs or you know finish in a decent percentage with some sense of regularity. But, but that was so exciting. That was really something that made me even more excited than ever about fantasy football. 
love the humility there, but you have a prolific fantasy football career as a, as a, as a player. But then at some point you also decided you were going to go from being somebody who is involved in it to being a contributor. You felt like you had something you wanted to offer. So what was, was there a moment that you felt like, okay, yes, I've got something that I can add to this or like, how did that process start for you? You, you, you may laugh at this story. It's a great story. So I met who is now my wife, Corrine, and we were dating. And when she realized you're going to spend all day Sunday watching football, well, well that's not going to work. <laughs> so she said, she goes, well, you're going to need to make money at it. And so this again, this is back in 06, I believe. And so she said, all right, We'll go down to the bookstore because back then magazines were a huge part of fantasy. The internet was you know, there, but it wasn't really huge yet. And so I went to the back of each magazine, looked for contact information. And so ultimately, I end up getting a reply from fantasy guru, John Hansen over there. And so I told him for the first year, I go, look, I just want to get started here. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I can write. I've won a little bit in football. So you know, can I try out? Yeah, sure. So I end up writing almost as an unpaid internship with them for a year, which is fine. At the end of the year, I send a message to John to see if I can latch on with them. So I don't get a reply. Okay, I understand. But I had also found out through the news that Fantasy Guru was merging with football injuries, Adam Kaplan. And so I thought, oh, okay, well, they're merging. They're not going to have any room. So I then have samples of work to share. So I send out 11 different companies, you know, some of my work and ask, do you need help? And I got eight replies like within a day, which was awesome. I ended up getting a great situation with Lenny Papano over at Draft Sharks. And I worked with Lenny for almost eight years. And that was that was a fantastic job. Love that. And then, you know, then just things kind of, you know, to move and change a little bit. And then I just ended up with Rotowire. But it's been a great run. I've worked with some really great people. They've been very gracious, very um, willing to let me try different things. And it's just been a real blessing. And then the Sirius XM gig with Rotowire. And those guys are just family. They're just amazing. So yeah, uh, talk to – oh, go ahead, man. Hang on, Major. I just want to cut you off here real quick first. So in The Secret to Marriage – is there a chapter about how to let your wife to get your wife to allow you to watch football on Sundays? Is there is there an actual chapter in there that I can maybe pull some strings from? I'll save you the time. I'm going to work. I go downstairs. <laughs> I'll be back. I'm going to work for 12 hours. That's literally the line, and it's literally true. Cheat code. <laughs> it is. So there you go. It just saved you the trouble. Yeah. Genius. Uh... <laughs> Talk to us about your favorite, like, home league or, like, analyst league. Like, what's, what's your favorite league you're in right now? I just left a home league I had been in for 25 years. Just too much going on. It was a league that I had put together with friends. It was a contract league. So do you, when you acquired a player, you immediately put the player from, like, anywhere from one to eight years. And that was it. And then, you know, if you made a mistake on a player, you're saddled with a bad contract and then you had to you know, worry about the roster. So that was a great league for a long time. And I enjoyed that greatly. But now the best league for me, it's the Kings Classic. I mean, I'm drafting with a bunch of heavyweights and their friends. And a lot of them become good friends. I mean, and I, I'm not going to say any names because once I say names, I'm going to forget two or three and I'm going to feel terrible about it. But they are really good say people. One. You can say one. We'll, we'll give you room to say one. Well, I always got to say Bob Harris first. He and I are the two old guys in the room. So that's Sorry, what I say Bob Harris. I tried, to, I tried to tee it up for you, man. Sorry, dude. <laughs> well, Matt and I are in different divisions. That, so that's the thing. Matt, so in the 12, the 14 I'm with, uh, Matt's not in that. Matt's in a different league than I'm in. So that's all. I Yeah. So but Bob and I have been in the oh, same man. league for the four years. You know how to clean it up, man. You're a pro. That's, that's some yeah, stuff. I, I, hey, you know what? I, I'm on my way up, man. I, I started in the Dawson division and the international thing. Uh, shout out to Bob Lung for even including me in this. Well, like Jim said, there are some massive heavyweights, especially in that Brown division. You name it, they're in that division. Uh, that's why they get the gold jacket room and we get the other room just down the hall from there. But you know what? There's there's not a weak analyst in the bunch. You know what? Everyone's smart as a whip, way smarter than me. I'm still trying to figure out how I got in there. It must have been because of the Canadian aspect for the international. But I got the call up. I moved up to the Blanda division last year. Made it be a one-and-done type thing. But we're going to talk about the Kings class because you wrote a nice article on that. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, me and my buddy there, Mauricio, 
we were hanging out in the lobby and we basically jumped into Jim's vehicle to get a ride over to the um, King's Classic at the Hall of Fame. And anyone who hasn't had an opportunity to get to this expo, make sure you get there because it is an absolute blast. Calvin, Terry, I'm talking to you here. I want to go next year. Yes. It is basically so fantasy good. football speed dating. If I could summarize it in one <laughs> short thing, I would have loved to sit there and pick Jim's brain for hours and hours, but you just didn't have the time to do that. It, there's so many people, so much mm. – interaction so many opportunities to network that's what this whole thing was and i think when you wrote that article you mentioned a lot of that too not to mention the heavyweights and the belts and the you know everyone in your divisions like got a belt a piece of hardware <laughs> it, it wasn't crazy it was fantastic but please uh, give us a little king's classic breakdown there of your new favorite league yeah so realistically just meeting at the pro football hall of fame and drafting there i, I mean it never gets old. The first time I had never been to the hall and it was surreal to be there and then to be drafting a football team there and, and then seeing the people who were around me in that room. And it was just for a moment thinking, I'm very honored to be here. Shocked that I'm here, but so happy to compete with them. And, and then the event that's become just the fact that, as we mentioned earlier, more people every year coming in. And Bob Lung has a vision here. Bob wants to make this a massive event. I guess baseball has their tout wars, they call it. He mm -hmm. wants to make this the football version of that. And apparently he was saying the Pro Football Hall of Fame is in an expansion pro process where they want to make it into more of uh, maybe a resort type thing, amusement park village thing. Here, yeah. Yes. And, and if that's the case, he wants to have everything on the grounds. And wow. And to have been in the ground floor, this is humbling. It's just absolutely humbling. And that's the Rotowire guys. You know, they, they could have sent Jeff Erickson. They could have sent Chris Liss. Chris lives in Lisbon, but you know, in Portugal. That, that might have been a tough one, but they chose to send me. And, you know, and you know what? I know why they sent me. A, they didn't want to go. But B, it was personality. They knew I'd get along with people. They knew mm, I'd represent yeah. the company. It was like, oh, this is the guy who knows. No, he, I know as much as anybody else. But I think they knew I would go. I'd represent as well. I would make friends. Would, I would represent as well. And I, I, that's why they sent me. Uh, let me ask a quick follow-up on that, actually. like, So it seemed like just based on anecdotal, like my Twitter, there's a lot of like newer content creators who were there this year, like in, in way more numbers than before. And they're looking for guys like you to like talk to and like get advice from and things like that. Like, did you feel that role when you were there? Did you feel like you had that like mentorship, like, you know, type role. This yes. Time? Not to the level of Bob Harris or Mike Clay, but because those guys are, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome to see how big the platform they have happens mm -hmm. to be because everybody knows them, but yeah, it was different. It was different. And I never would have foreseen that coming nor expected in any manner that people would actually like recognize me and want to come up and talk to me about football and again just humbling and just the fact that they have listened to me on Sirius or read my work and that they were interested enough to know more and at the end of the day I'm a public servant anything I've done in my life I want to just be part of the greater community and I want to share and just whatever I have share it with people and, and I feel like that comes back to me in a real positive way the energy I return, I always seem to get that back from others. And that always drives me to do more and more. So, yeah, it's just been a wonderful experience. Love that. I think to kind of on this here a little bit before we move on to the uh, viewer question here, Tara, you, I don't know if you can see it there, but just so you're aware. But first thing, it was like, it, for me, it was surreal. You know, you got XM radio setting up. I don't have much experience. Luckily, I've, cut, I've done a couple shows here most recently. But they're set up in the room. You've got analysts that I would – consider a much bigger deal than myself walking around during this expo and it's something for everyone because that same day that we're doing the uh king's classic draft night out is taking over and there's like 20 more drafts going on in the hotel uh major i think you were part of that as well i yeah, see some amazing. photos there there was something there for everyone to get involved in so just because you're not in the king's classic draft there's all kinds of drafts that were going on and you know what i can't I, I'm, I'm looking forward to where bob takes this thing it it's to the moon as far as I'm concerned. It's going to be fun. It's fun to be part of, and I'm looking forward to getting back there next year. But 
we got we got to keep our uh, viewers happy. And Tara, this question is kind of going to you. I'm, I'm going to Jim because me, I don't do much uh, clearing on my mind. It's pretty empty for a good portion of the time anyway. But I'm going to send this to you. What podcast do you guys listen to to quiet your mind? So what I came across is not a podcast that I listen to, but what I've done is it really becomes a combination of meditation or yoga. Yoga is really where it started. And I think in America, a lot of us make the mistake of thinking yoga, workout, exercise. Yeah, fine. But realistically, the point of yoga and why it became what it was is for mental clarity. You're in a pose, which I'm not very flexible and that ends up being fine, but you're in that pose. And when you're fixated on the pose, your mind clears because you're not thinking about anything that requires thought. And you find when you're done with the session that your mind has zoned out for 20, 30 minutes. Oh, there are points where it jumps back and around, but then you recenter yourself with the next pose or whatnot. And those moments of mental clarity, you feel like when you're done, you feel as if you, you, you something in your mind listen to something that was on a greater scale. It was like there was no activity going on, but you felt like you, somehow you were connected to the wisdom of the universe. It sounds corny and cheesy, but you really feel like you have a better view and understanding of life. So I would though, sometimes when I'm working, I will put on some instrumental music with binaural beats and it does where it's different frequency in each ear and they're, they're, trained for like meditation type stuff, brain um, activity in a positive manner for studying. And some of those types of videos on YouTube, very, very useful for quieting and centering your mind. What are those called? I need that. Binaural beats, B-I-N-A-U-R-A-L. And you could find those all over YouTube, but they're for studying, they're for meditation, and those are all out there, but it really is a game changer. And there, science, there's science behind that, and you can read articles about the science, but it really is transformative. Wow. Really? Okay. I drink coffee, lots of coffee. If I go <laughs> to the downward dog, I ain't getting back up. Tara, what do you do? I, uh, I, love that, I love that Jim answered this question first, because my answer is going to be a very strange one. Uh, <laughs> because it's, not, it's definitely not something that is, that is meditative, although I do... Um, I do sometimes listen to like some confidence podcasts and stuff like that to just kind of, you know, stay on track and focusing on not caring too much about what people think. But oddly enough, and this will be like a weird football tie in, but this is a guy who people, people either love him or hate him um, to quiet my mind. I like to get focused on my actual goals because I tend to get very, you know, split into the different directions that I'm trying to head and unfocused and, and to get very focused, I actually listen to a lot of Gary Vee and it's not very quieting because he's a very energetic, <laughs> loud person. So it's not definitely not something that's meditative, but, um, I, you will go through his podcasts or YouTubes or, I mean, he's got content everywhere, but shows like that and pick stuff that is very focused on like motivation and staying on track and, you know, not caring about what other people think and doing what feels right for you. And that's stuff that I like to listen to. When you listen to Jim, you need a, a, a wellness podcast or a binaural beats type <laughs> podcast. Yeah. So kind of diving back into uh, diving back into you and your career. Um, what are, tell us about some of the more memorable shows or that you've done in the past. Funniest one was, so when I first started doing the Rotowire show on Sirius, I was a co-host, which means Jeff Erickson or someone would ask me questions and I would you know, give answers. And they told me, oh, we'll train you also to do a host job. And I know how this works. About three weeks later, I get a phone call. Jim, we don't have anybody today. You need to do the host job. <laughs> and I thought that was a good story because it's like, that's how you learn sometimes, right? You just get thrown in and you're like, yeah. okay, we're going to make this work. And um, fortunately, I had paid attention while people were hosting, while I was co-hosting. And I did pay attention to things like, you know, when the time segments were going to break. And that's a huge part of it, knowing when to go to break, understanding what they were doing. So it did work out. But and then, of course, I you know, busted their chops the next day saying, thanks for the training, guys. Appreciate it. Um, and I probably didn't answer your question. I probably forgot the actual question. <laughs> so if you want to follow back up, I can read these are memorable moments, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, memorable so, moments count, memorable shows, interviews, you know, yeah. <laughs> so a few years, I started, I started a, a few years ago, maybe it's, maybe it's the third season I've done that on the serious show. And I remember one of my first shows, I was 
making a major case for Chris Godwin as a breakout candidate. And that one ended up being huge. And there was a, they put it on what's called an audiogram. So the producers liked it. So they cut it up. They put it on the Sirius XM Twitter page, got a lot of views, got a lot of interaction. A lot of people drafted Godwin. A lot of people had a nice season. And of course it could have just as easily been me missing missing on somebody, (laughs) which I've done plenty of that, but it was very good that very early on, I really made a very compelling case for somebody that a lot of people weren't really eyeballing. So let's envision a world where fantasy football doesn't exist for a second. And let's say, what would Jim Coventry be doing if there wasn't such thing as fantasy football or making a career in that? What what would you be doing? It definitely would be service oriented. Um, There were points where I felt ministry would be a possibility. And then I think motivational speaking would be something along Mm -hmm. that line. Whatever it is, I feel I have a decent amount of energy. I do believe I have a number of messages that can help people to be uplifted and motivated. So I think somewhere in that realm, it's public service for sure. And as to where that would end up being, but that would ultimately be the area I would try to gravitate toward. And I know I read this somewhere that you're kind of, uh, you spent six years in seminary already. You've got that kind of a background right now. You've got a passion and a heart for, you know, relationships. You're kind of feeling that call for that. Maybe not as a pastor in a church, but like you mentioned, kind of given that motivational speaking, maybe uh, teaching, maybe more of that uh, focusing on some other topics there that we talk about in the church and stuff like that that would just kind of, Everyone's got a certain battle that they're dealing with, whether that's whatever's in their closet, you know, that they just want to need someone to talk to. That's kind of what I I really do see you as someone that would be very helpful in that kind of world. Just by this little conversation that we're having, my short interaction with you back in uh, Canton, that this is something that I just feel that you have that passion for, even though we haven't really talked about it. You can just, your way you talk, the way you act, the words you're using, it all kind of leads to that, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that came across. Much appreciated. But yeah, I, I do think if we have a heart for something, I think people can identify it fairly quickly. I think, and hopefully, I think that people could spot a phony a mile away. And hopefully, I think, you know, people do tend to gravitate toward me is because they realize my heart is sincere and I try my best to be what I am and no tricks. Just here it is. This is what I am. And if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, I get it as well. I think we can see phonies when, you know, somebody says something about Jacoby Myers, but then they won't make a trade for him in the fantasy. <laughs> oh, <team. man. laughs> okay, so my stance on this. Yeah, this is this is the Jacoby Myers show. Sorry, Jim. But <laughs> you know what? First off, my stance on him is in redraft. He, he's the guy you're you're trying to offer me Rondo, trying to get Rondo Moore out of me for Jacoby Myers. Come on, man. That ain't happening. I love Jacoby Myers, but I ain't I ain't Moving the dude that's just going to be he. I, I think well, Rondo Moore has an opportunity to lead the league in yak yards this year. I really do. I think he is a special dude altogether. I think he's going to do some fantastic things once that ball gets into his hands. We've seen what he did for Purdue. If Cliff uh, Kingsbury there is anything like the offensive genius that we've tried to make him out to be, he's going to find a way to manufacture touches for Rondell Moore going forward. So that's where we're at. Tara, what's the next question on the docket? Yes. So we talked earlier. <laughs> About Jacoby Myers. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so we talked. <laughs> we talked earlier about your uh, about uh, the changes that you had seen in the industry, and uh, which, by the way, I love the take on you know the different opinions on analysts. You see it within you know even the you know major websites and networks. You've got people that are giving completely different points of views. Um, but in addition to that, you know what has uh, what is this fantasy sports journey? What has it taught you about yourself? <sighs> That's a great question. Uh, one I obviously haven't thought about ahead of time. Um, again, I think that it ties into my worldview that you actually can be involved in something as frivolous as fantasy football and it can make a difference in people's lives. Mm. Look, somebody might look forward to a column or a show and you actually could make their day better. You could put a smile on their face. I get an occasional comment. appreciate your kind, positive energy that comes through on the radio. So I think that is what I've learned about myself, that it doesn't have to be serious when you're making people feel better. It could be out of this great hobby we have, and you could give people an escape 
from the difficult lives they live, be it for an hour, a minute, whatever the case is. And I think, again, I always use the word humbled. It's very humbling to realize for something as simple as this, that mm. you can make a difference. I love that. That's uh, such a fresh perspective. Mm. Yeah, you kind of spoke about your wife earlier helping you, you know, with your fantasy football, giving that little nudge. Can you talk about some of the other people who helped you uh, in your career? Primarily, it's been teammates. I've always had teammates that have either believed in me, have provided me opportunities, have given me feedback. The the producers at Sirius have been great. I ask them for feedback all the time. I go, look, I have no ego here. Tell me what I need to work on. And they've been gracious enough to do that. And I very diligently spend time in the offseason trying to work on improving things. And, you know, again, teammates like Rotowire. We go to Vegas every year, except for obviously last year when we had, you know, the full beginning of the pandemic. We didn't have that. But just going out there and working I should say talking, building friendships and relationships with coworkers. But then from there, sometimes the talk goes to business and other projects that they would like us to involve you know, ourselves with. And so it's those are the people. It's been the teammates. And I've always been open to ex doing whatever I can to help my teammates be better. And I've been very fortunate to find teammates that have looked to do the same for me. And so I think it's really all about the teammates. Yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah, that's a great um, answer. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting for that invite to Vegas here. Let's go. <laughs> I'm down. Um, yes. So for the, my last question here, uh, talk about some of the uh, some. Give us some good advice for those trying to make it in the fantasy world. This is crazy because what I realize when I talk to some of the people I work for is it is so difficult for them to find people who are reliable, who hmm. simply will meet deadlines, who hmm. simply will say yes to extra work. So be available, be willing to work, and meet those deadlines, if not be early on every deadline. And it's, A, you already have the passion for this if you're thinking or listening to this, but it's those things, the professionalism. Be professional and he would be stunned how many good things can happen just by doing that. Because, again, the more people I talk to, good help is hard to find. Great answer. And luckily, we got lots of good help here in the room. That's what I love. But we're, to be good help, we have to help others. And Julie, she's hitting us with another question here, so we got to get it. Uh, Tara, we're going to start this one with you. Can you each name one coach and one player non-QB that's on your hot seat. How, how would this hot seat impact their production in far, as far as wins and fantasy points for this year? Okay. Um, since I'm going first and I have not thought about this previously because I did not pay attention to the question that was over there, um, I'm going to go with the low-hanging fruit. And uh, my coach on the hot seat is, uh, is Matt Nagy. Um, <laughs> I think he's, uh, I mean, uh, this year is going to tell us a lot. Uh, I was kind of, you know, surprised they gave him another year to figure things out. But um, the whole quarterback situation, whether they're going to, at what point they'll let Justin Fields on the field and how far they're going to let Andy Dalton go. Are they going to, you know, rely on their defense and want more of a game manager? Are they going to let the rookie go ahead? So, I mean, you know, how all of that ends up, their record, how, you know, it's, I think that he's the one that is most on the hot seat in this, uh, in this situation. And then my player um, that's on the hot seat and, you know, and maybe it's not a hot seat from a contract perspective, but I think, uh, I think Odell is kind of on the hot seat in terms of the direction of his career uh, because he's finally healthy, you know, but unfortunately with the excuse last year, they were starting off a new system in Cleveland and it took Baker a little while to get comfortable into it. And once they hit that back half of the season and started to really pick things up and succeed, um, unfortunately, Odell was hurt and wasn't there. And, you know, by all accounts, he seems very healthy. He's ready to hit him and Baker have been connecting very well in the off season. And I'm kind of looking forward to seeing if he's actually going to be that wide receiver for Baker within the context of that offense, their run first offense. So within the context of that team, is he going to be that guy? I'm interested how that turns out. And then over to you, Calvin. What do you got for us? Who's your hot seat coach? And who's that player that's on your fantasy football hot seat? Those are both answers I would have liked to have given, but uh, Tara's a genius. So, you know, she went first and got the right ones. Um, 
Yeah, Matt Nagy makes a lot of sense. Like, I, so I don't think for this year, but the one that feels like he's on the hottest seat right now is just Urban Meyer. Like, it just seems like there's just consistently something that he's doing that is not not good. Like, the Tebow thing was weird. Like, he's just he had a weird thing with a strength and conditioning coach already. Like, it just seems like for somebody that has not even coached in an NFL game yet, he has had even the Travis Etienne pick was weird, right? Like, that was a third down back that was friends with his quarterback. It just seemed like a strange pick as much as i like etn it didn't doesn't seem to fit the need for the offense and i think i, I if you set the over under at a year and a half i might take the under right there on urban meyer the, as far as the player juju smith schuster is the other one that i think about on, on the hot seat like he's got to produce this year he's on that one-year deal in pittsburgh he needs to show that he can do more than just run button hooks for Ben Roethlisberger and then like hopefully have an opportunity to get a you know better contract next year then over to you Jim who do, who's who do you got for us so I think Vic Fangio could be on the hot seat now last mm -hmm. year they get a pass all the injuries for sure but they've collected besides quarterback an amazing array of offensive talent and if this team can't produce offensively and it may be due to the quarterback but nonetheless I don't think John Elway is going to sit well with that and so I think that he could be on the hot seat for that reason and then player wise I think Miles Sanders I mean he, we already see the writing on the wall where they're just bringing everybody else in and you know they let some people go but at the end of the day you know Gainwell is going to be something Boston Scott can play Miles Sanders I think when he's on the field he's a very good player but I don't think they've used him well but nonetheless it's to the point now that if he doesn't do something special, they're going to commit to the committee, and Miles Sanders may never become a thing. Mm. I like that. I know Tara's nodding in approval because she's anti-Miles Sanders, so you've got yeah, her yes, approval yes. on this one. <laughs> yeah. Major, who do you got on the hot seat? I'm going to go with a pair of Rams. Uh, I'm going to go with Sean McVay. He might not be on a hot seat, but he's on my hot seat. I'm in LA, I'm in LA so you know I love the Rams right now, but uh, – it seems like he never really had a quarterback and like mm. Stafford really never had the team or the coach. So it is a perfect fitting. Um, and I think we need to see something right away because that team is ready to go. And then I'm going to go, I would love nothing more than to say John Gruden on the hot seat, but he basically owns the Raiders at this point. So <laughs> he can't be on the hot seat, unfortunately. And I could say Josh Jacobs because I know Jim and me, we're going to fight over Josh Jacobs here a little bit later. So I'm going to stay away from that. But for me right now, for a coach's hot seat, we talked about him a little bit earlier, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, 13, 18, and one in two seasons. And that collapse last year that cost the Cardinals a playoff opportunity. You are supposed to be an offensive genius. You basically failed as a Big 12 coach. Now you're getting this opportunity in the NFL. You haven't come through it. You haven't shown your offensive genius yet. For me, he's got to be clearly on the hot seat. And then that player, as much as I hate to say it, but the one player I've kind of got on that hot seat right now, Mike Davis. You know what? We're, we're talking. Everyone got all enthralled by his thighs, and um, you know what? Uh, to use a little bit of Aerosmith and Lord of the Thighs here, Mike Davis. I'm looking at him. I'm like, you are supposed to be the guy. You filled in for Christian McCaffrey. You dominated, but guess what? We just brought in Wayne Gallman because we can't decide if you're the guy for us or not. Hmm. We like we we like you, but we're not in love with you. Is kind of what they're saying to him. So you got to kind of prove it. And we're drafting him as a RB two in some leagues. If you're lucky, you've got him in a flex position. You know what? If, if he doesn't start to make and produce right off the get-go, he's a guy that can easily be discarded because we know Wayne Gallman last year in New York put up nearly 700 yards in his time there. He was very effective, 4.7 yards per carry. He showed that he could fill in for Saquon Barkley, and if Mike Davis isn't up to it, Wayne Gallman, I think, could step in there right away. So, uh, Julia, that, I love that question. Those are kind of our hot Great seat question. players and coaches. Um before we move on, I usually like to toss this over to Calvin here. Um, Calvin, plug away, man. Well, Jim, let's just start with you. Um, obviously, great things going on there at Rotowire and Sirius. And uh, any 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 books you want to plug, you can obviously do that too. But just what do you have going on that's as the season's getting started that we can follow along and support you over the course of this season? So basically, now that preseason is kind of out of the way and the drafts are getting done, everything becomes so regimented in the regular season. And we'll just be on the Saturday serious show because, again, during the Sunday show that we had, 
NFL game coverage is on so people can enjoy that. So, but what I do on the Saturday show is what I, I take the injuries of the week and I try to point out which players benefit. And I'm talking about linemen, be it offensive or defensive, safeties, line, any position. And I try to point out which players benefit. That's one thing. And then we definitely go under the hood to check between snap counts, targets, pass attempts, game script to try to identify player patterns and what we can expect in future future usage. So we do a lot of stuff that it is out there, but it's not necessarily very common. And so we really try to get people ready, not just for their upcoming lineups, but for free agency and advanced planning and team trends. So the Saturday show on Sirius is a lot of fun during a regular season. Rotowire has a lot of great tools for that. And as somebody who's been a subscriber there for a long time, actually, I started being a subscriber for James Anderson in the fantasy baseball content over there, but fell in love with the tools that they have for football as well. A lot of great things you can see on Snapshare, you know, slot snaps. Like, you know, you, you can really break down a lot of things that's happening on the football field. Usually those are up pretty quick within a couple of days. So anybody listening, you know, make sure to check that out. Uh, Major, how about you, man? I know we, we got your show coming up. What else do you have in, in the works for this season? Uh, I will be co-hosting with my guy Nick on a P2W Fantasy uh, show um, on awesome. Fantasy Points. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we're going to do that along with this show and then building out my show. So I'm going to be pretty busy. And I'm in a thousand. I'm actually drafting right now. I'm in like a hundred leagues right now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Tara, um, have we figured out uh, at what point in the season you take over for Matthew Barry yet or no? <laughs> at no point. I, I don't. <laughs> one day, one day. <laughs> no. Um, no, I think things are going great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned my Fantasy Pros videos. Um, it's going awesome. And as we get into the regular season, we'll have more um, – more, as Jim was saying, more regimented things coming up. So I'll be doing a uh, weekly, uh, I have my weekly series that I do with Lauren Carpenter uh, at Set Mom Lauren on Twitter, um, or Ask the Experts series where we take questions, fun questions like that one uh, question Julia had and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of talk things out. And then I also um, will be spending my Sunday mornings um, doing uh, live streams. Um, TikTok, I believe, will be doing that. So you guys can check me out there um, and I'll be uh, promoting that. And then um, I, I don't know, I, I'm really not good at announcing things. So I guess, you know, we'll go ahead and say I am going to be doing some stuff with a, with a fantasy alarm this season. So I'm really pumped about that. I'm um, doing some uh, videos with them and uh, some live streams. So, uh, so yeah, it's going to be a good in season. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Tara's and basically Matt- everywhere but Snapface right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let Matt plug all the shows on the, on the Vipercast. I am at Calvin and Hobby. You can find me there. And on Tuesday nights, I do a show with Tyler Carp, and we answer a bunch Taco of Dynasty questions on the Dynasty YouTube channel. Yeah, in case you couldn't hear Calvin over my loud, obnoxious screaming, <laughs> we got Taco Tuesday taking place over at DLF. Uh, you know what? We've got Roberto. We got Mike. They got a little bit of a Debbie Pro show going on here. They're going to talk a little bit of Debbie for you. Uh, we obviously got Major doing his thing. Uh, we got Will, biased opinions. He's kicking in a little bit of uh, prop betting stuff. And we've got Jason Waltner coming over here doing a little capology, telling you what that cap is, the truths and the myths between the cap, and giving you a little bit of numbers and stuff like that. I don't understand it, so I'll be tuning in for sure. And, of course, head over to DynastyVipers.com. Check us out there. Got some guys cranking out some content. Ryan P., he's just been dropping stuff left, right, and center. And then, of course, you know what? We talk about these tools. There's great tools everywhere. I love what we got going on over at Fantasy Points. You know, head over to uh, FantasyPoints.com. Drop the promo code in there, uh, 21Vipers10. Get 10% off that subscription right there. You know what? It's going to be well money well spent. And you get guys like Graham Barfield dropping stuff, Adam Kaplan dropping some stuff in there, uh, Scott Bear, you know, you name it. Uh, we talked about John Hansen a little bit earlier. Legend. He drops articles in there too. So, you know, you get access to all these articles, all these brilliant minds. Uh, Joe Dolan, can't forget about him, Philly's finest. So, yeah, check out that. Head over to Fantasy Points again. Use that promo code 21Vipers10. Get that 10% off and do yourself a favor because that's something that's going to help you out season long. With that all said, um, I want to say thanks. I know Julia, she was in that the chat room. She was going good. Scott joined us there for a little bit. Uh, Pod, he came in. He talked. Good to see you back there, bud. Um, 
you know what? Without the people tuning into the show, there is no show. So thank you, everyone, for uh, joining us. Uh, thank you, Jim, for uh, coming on the show. Thank love you, the energy. I would love to keep this talk going. I got to actually go to a hockey meeting right now because hockey season <laughs> is officially underway. Uh, kids got camp uh, tryouts starting tomorrow night. So we have the team meeting taking place here in about 20 minutes. Luckily, I'm only about five minutes away from the rink. Go figure, a Canadian who's five minutes away from the rink. Um, I got nothing cute to say. I think I used my Lord of the Flies uh, joke there with Mike Davis a little too early. I got nothing cute to throw in the end of the show. So, again, you know what? Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, make sure to tune in here next week. We got, we'll got we be moving over to Wednesdays. That's I guess that's a big key thing. We'll be moving from Wednesdays yes. now because Monday Night Football, it's kind of hard to compete with that. We could try, but I don't think it's going to work out very well for us. But – you know what? We'll give it a shot. Wednesdays, same time. Check us out. Uh, again, thank you, and see you then. The Zamboni is not going to drive itself, Matt. It's not. <laughs> and, but you know what? Kobe Myers can. <laughs> <laughs>